Good morning. Strong faith in the face of crisis. You know, I dare you to say that four times in a row fast. Strong faith in the face of crisis. Wow. Pastor Scott asked me to share a few thoughts with you this week and next week while he and Pastor Yvette are sharing some time with their parents. And at first, I wasn't sure what I should share. You know, it's always a challenge when a pastor shares a message. We want to be relevant and timely. We want to share what the Holy Spirit is specifically saying to the church. And we certainly want to share something that will help you grow in your faith. And that's not something that's easy or that we take casually. And so at first, I really was not sure what to share. Then, as I saw Pastor Scott's title for last week's message, Strong Faith in the Face of Crisis, it immediately occurred to me that there are a number of things that we need faith for. And last week, Pastor Scott talked about the faith that we need to be healed. And as he showed us, faith is one of the critical components in healing. In almost every case where Jesus heals someone, he makes mention of their faith or the faith of a friend or a relative in the process. Do you know there are other things that we need faith for? Especially in a time of crisis, we need faith for things that we might otherwise take for granted. We need faith for the day-to-day reality of life. Some of you don't have jobs right now. You're stuck at home and you need faith to believe that God has a job for you. Maybe you need faith to get through the day-to-day pressure of feeling like you have value, which can be a challenge when you don't have work. We might need faith to get through some of the added relational pressure that we're facing right now. Some of you have had your children at home for several months now and trying to keep them occupied is starting to wear on you. Perhaps just trying to keep them at peace with each other is something you really need God's help with. We really need faith, don't we? You know, for some, it's taking faith to get through the pressure of facing the fear of the unknown. What's going to happen? Who can I allow into my little six-foot bubble zone and who isn't safe? Maybe you need faith to get through the loneliness of this time. For some of the seniors, your children mean well, insisting that you stay home and don't expose yourself to this virus, but not having the freedom to go for coffee with your friends and not seeing children and grandchildren is making you feel very lonely. Strong faith in the face of crisis. It's something that I think most of us can relate to in this season. This week, I want to talk a bit about faith for finances. Because many are off work, income is down quite a bit, and one of these days you're going to have to start paying the mortgage again. A minute ago, I mentioned how tough it can be to share each week and have something that's meaningful and relevant. For most pastors, that gets even more difficult when the Holy Spirit seems to be prompting us to share something on finances. Money seems to be one of those taboo topics for preachers. There's always the fear that somebody will misunderstand and presume you're just trying to pad your paycheck a bit. You know, maybe you've heard somebody say the church is just after your money. Like that's some kind of a crime or something. Did you ever stop to think the grocery store is just after your money? The gas station on the corner is after your money too. 
Even the guy selling ice cream from that truck with the annoying speaker that keeps playing green sleeves, he's after your money. You know, that's not it at all. See, the church isn't after your money. In fact, God doesn't want your money if you can't give it cheerfully. I want to read a lot, rather a lengthy portion from the book of 2 Corinthians to you today. I know, Pastor Scott mentioned it last week too. You're supposed to read one or two verses, then draw a lesson and a conclusion. But you know, this is just too good to pass up. There is such a modern day relevance to this passage. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I just want you to listen. And I'm going to read this out of a translation of the Bible that I'm very fond of. It's called the Complete Jewish Bible, which you probably don't have. So just listen as I read. Paul is about to remind the Corinthians about a commitment that they'd made a year earlier to put together a generous gift for the believers in Jerusalem that were undergoing some real challenges. You know, here's what he says. He writes them, Now, brothers, we must tell you about the grace that God has given the congregations in Macedonia. Despite severe trials, and even though they are desperately poor, their joy has overflowed in a wealth of generosity. I tell you, they have not merely given according to their means. They begged and pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service for God's people. And they didn't do this in the way we had expected. But first they gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us. All this has led to urge Titus to bring this same gracious gift to completion among you, since he already made a beginning of it. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in a diligence of every kind, and in your love for us, see that you excel in this gift too. I'm not issuing you an order. Rather, I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the diligence of others. For you know how generous our Lord Jesus Christ was. For your sakes, he impoverished himself even though he was rich, so that he might make you rich by means of his poverty. As I say, in regard to this matter, I am only giving an opinion. A year ago, you were not only the first to take action, but the first to want to do so. And now it would be to your advantage to finish what you started so that your eagerness in wanting to commence this project might be matched by your eagerness to complete it as you contribute from what you have. For the eagerness to give is there. The acceptability of the gift will be measured by what you have, not by what you don't have. It's not that the relief for others should cause trouble for you, but that there should be a kind of reciprocity. At present, your abundance can help those in need, so that when you are in need, their abundance can help you, and thus there is reciprocity. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing extra, and he who had gathered little had nothing lacking. Now I thank God for making Titus as devoted to you as we are, for he not only responded to our urging, but being so devoted, he is coming to you on his own initiative, and with him we are sending the brother whose work for the good news is praised in all the congregations. Not only that, he has been appointed by the congregations to travel with us so that the way we administer this charitable work will bring honor to the Lord and show our eagerness to help. 
Our aim in this is to show that our conduct in dealing with these substantial sums is above reproach. For we take great pains not only to do what is right in the sight of God, but also in the sight of other people. With these two we are sending another brother of yours, one whose diligence we have tested many times in many ways, but who is now all the more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner who works with me on your behalf. And the other brothers with him are emissaries of the congregations and bring honor to the Lord. So the love you show these men will justify our pride in you to them and through them to the congregations that sent them. And Paul really starts messing with them right here. He says, there is really no need for me to write to you about this offering of God's for God's people. I know how eager you are, and I boast about you to the Macedonians. I tell them Achaia has been ready since last year. It was your zeal that stirred up most of them. But now I am sending the brothers so that our boast about you in this regard will not prove hollow, so that you will be ready, as I said you would be. For if some of the Macedonians were to come with me and find you unprepared, we would be humiliated at having been so confident to say nothing of how you would feel. So I thought it necessary to urge these brothers to go on ahead of me and prepare your promised gift in plenty of time. This way it will be ready when I come and will be a genuine gift, not something extracted by pressure. Now here's the point. He who plants sparingly also harvests sparingly. Each one should give according to what he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Moreover, God has the power to provide you with every gracious gift in abundance, so that always, in every way, you will have all you need yourselves and be able to provide abundantly for every good cause. As the scripture says, he gave generously to the poor, and his righteous gifts last forever. He who provides both seed for the planter and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your gifts. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in everything. And through us, your generosity will cause people to thank God because rendering this holy service not only provides for the needs of God's people, but it also overflows in the many thanks that people will be giving to God. In offering this service, you prove to these people that you glorify God by actually doing what your acknowledgement of the good news of the Messiah requires, namely, sharing generously with them and with everyone. And in their prayers for you, they will feel a strong affection for you because of how gracious God has been to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, it's amazing to me, here it is right in the Bible, that Paul just messes with these Corinthians. In fact, I can imagine that someone might say his letter is absolutely downright manipulative. But you know, when you read it carefully, it's clear that what Paul is really saying here is that, first of all, nobody should be giving out of a sense of guilt or because they feel pressured to give. In effect, Paul is reminding people that we don't have to give, we get to give. 
Giving is a privilege. Paul makes it really clear that it's the cheerful giver that attracts God's attention. Second thing he says is that nobody should worry that God won't provide for them just because they gave what they could really use for themselves. Paul tells us that God has the power to provide you with everything you need in abundance so that you will always have enough for your own needs and enough to give to the next cause. I like to say it this way, enough to live and enough to give. Then Paul says, giving works just like planting seed does. If you're stingy at planting time, you can't expect to get a bumper crop. It's the farmer who plants seed wisely and generously that enjoys the richest harvest. Paul reminds the Corinthians that when they give generously, God will also reward them generously. Fourth thing Paul says is that when those who are in need receive the gift, they will undoubtedly thank God for his provision, which, he says, will mean they are praying for you. Then finally, Paul reminds them that in being generous, they model the generosity that God himself displays in giving us the gift of salvation. I don't teach on finances because I want to see the church bank account grow. I teach on finances because I want to see you grow. As a pastor, one of my responsibilities is to teach you how to be blessed. And one of the ways to live in God's blessing is to be generous. Now let's clarify one thing. This has absolutely nothing to do with how much you give. This is not about the size of your gift. It's about the level of cheerful sacrifice. See, there's a story in Luke 21 where Jesus sat in a place that allowed him to watch people dropping their gifts in the offering box as they went by. And after watching a number of wealthy folks drop some significant amounts in the box, he observed a very poor widow dropping in a very small amount. We think of it as the equivalent of a couple of pennies. He looked at his disciples and told them, This poor widow has put in more than any of the others. They gave out of their surplus, but she gave all she had to live on. In a sense, it took almost no faith whatever for the rich to give from what they had to spare. But it took tremendous faith for this lady to give from what she could not spare. The next week, I think I'm going to share a little bit about the faith that it takes to believe that God is fully in control when it feels like life is uncomfortable or unpleasant or just does not make sense. This week, I want to leave you with the confidence to know that God promises to meet your needs. God promises that if you'll put him first, if you'll continue to be generous and give when you see a need, he will meet your needs every time. It can take tremendous faith to give in a season when you're not sure where you might get your next paycheck from. But here's the question. Who really meets my needs? Does my employer meet my needs? 
Is it a regular paycheck that makes sure I have enough? Do my qualifications meet my needs? Is it because I have good, current, marketable skills that I have enough? Or is it my solid work ethic that meets my needs? Is it the fact that I have a reputation for being reliable and working hard? Do my investments meet my needs? Is it because I was careful to save and invest wisely that I have enough now? Or is it really God who meets my needs? See, if you thought it was your employer or your job that meets your needs, then your provision disappears when you get a layoff notice. And as much as we don't want to believe that will ever happen, a lot of folks who would never have guessed they'd be laid off aren't sure when they're going to be able to get back to work. If you thought it was your qualifications or your work ethic that made sure your needs are met, then you know that you're always looking over your shoulder at the possibility that someone who's more qualified or who works harder or cheaper is going to take your place. If you thought it was your investments that were going to meet your needs, you know that an economic collapse can take your future with it. A pastor friend of mine once pointed out how ironic it is that we trust God to forgive our sins and give us eternal life, but we struggle to trust him for our financial needs. We trust God with our eternal destiny, but we're not sure he'll look after our mortgage payment. I want to encourage you today. Last week, Pastor Scott and Yvette encouraged you to stir up your faith and believe God for healing and health. This week, I want to encourage you to stir up your faith and believe God to meet your financial needs. Do you need a good job? I want to join my faith with yours today and believe God with you. If you'll be diligent to do what you can and show yourself to be trustworthy and faithful, God will bring you that job you need. In fact, Father, I want to pray right now for those that need a job. God, I want to pray that you'll open a door of opportunity this week. That there will be an opportunity to apply for a job that ideally fits their needs and their skills and the things they love to do. God, I thank you for the faith to believe that you can bring that kind of a job to them this week. Are you believing God to help you get a debt paid off? I want to join my faith to yours today and believe God with you. I'm going to believe with you that if you'll do what God shows you to do, and if you'll be generous in giving where God leads you to give, God is going to help you prosper and get out from under the weight of that debt. In fact, let's pray right now. Father, I pray for those ones that are facing debt Maybe they've created debt just trying to live in the middle of a season where there was no income. Maybe they got caught with a bunch of debt going into this season, and now they're struggling to figure out how they're going to pay it off. God, I thank you that you promised in your word that if we'll ask you for wisdom, you'll give it to us without scolding us for the decisions we made before we asked. God, we ask you today together for wisdom. Wisdom to understand how to deal with the debt 
how to deal with the cash flow issues, how to make sure that the debt gets smaller every day and not bigger. And God, I thank you that you're miraculously going to provide for the needs of those who are sincerely looking to you for a miracle of financial provision. God, as they are diligent to do their part, you will be faithful to do yours. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Maybe you're believing, God, that the fixed income you're living on is going to be enough. You know, I want to join my faith to yours today and believe God with you. God sees and knows you have needs and he's going to provide for you. In fact, let me just encourage you with this. You know, there are so many stories in the Bible of people who went to the cupboard and every time they opened the cupboard, there was food there. Every time they looked in the bin, there was flour. God provided miraculously for people. I'm going to believe, God, with you that what you have is going to be more than enough to meet all of your needs. Father, I thank you that you're going to restore the faith of those who have lost hope that you can provide. And I thank you today, Lord, that you're meeting their needs according to your riches, not according to their investments. Let me add this too. You know, if you're struggling to put a meal on the table and you really need some practical help, you can send us an email and we'll do our best to find a practical way to help you. We're willing to put effort behind our faith just like we're encouraging you to do. And if you're someone who would be willing to give to a family that has needs, you can drop a line to the office too. We'd be blessed if we could be the conduit that could take what you have to spare and help to bless someone who really needs it. And I know this this podcast or, or this um, YouTube video or Facebook video, however you're watching it or listening to it, I know it, it, it could be heard in many, many places. But you know, I'm just confident enough today in God's goodness that I believe that if you'll reach out God will make a way to help you. Strong faith in the face of crisis. The kind of faith that just knows that God will provide for all of your needs as you trust confidently in him. You know, in the chapters that I read from the Bible earlier, Paul, the man who wrote that letter, ends by saying, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What he's referring to is the fact that God offers each one of us his gift of forgiveness for our wrong choices and the opportunity to restore the relationship with God that we were created to have. You know, maybe you're watching or listening and you've never responded to God and accepted his gift. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. God wants to make your life amazing. He wants to pour his life into yours. He wants to meet your needs and provide for you. What you need to do is you need to accept God's gift. 
I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a minute that's going to invite God to do exactly that. To pour his life into yours and a prayer that will invite God to come into your life and in which you indicate to God that you're accepting that gift that he's given. Now, maybe this isn't the first time you've prayed to receive Jesus. But for whatever reason, you couldn't live it out before. And you'd like to pray this prayer along with me as a way of reestablishing something that you feel you've lost. Wanting to restore a relationship with God. The prayer is very simple, and it just goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins, and I invite you to come into my heart and life. From this day forward, I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, before I turn this back to Pastor Scott and Yvette, I just want to pray for you once more. If you're facing a financial challenge, I just want to pray for you today. Father, I pray for each one who's listening, who's facing a financial challenge. Lord, I speak life to them and hope to them this morning. And I thank you, God, that you are the God who promises to meet all of our needs according to your riches, not according to our need, not according to our investments, not according to our hard work, according to your riches and because of your goodness. And for that today, I thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, what a great word. Thank you, Pastor Ron, for that. He always... Uh, manages to come up with some great nuggets of truth that are extremely helpful to our daily lives. And, you know, when it comes to our finances, um, the word is clear of God's plan for our life. And I love how Pastor Ron lays out that clear plan for us and shows us through Scripture, um, you know, just how God feels about us and our our well-being, our financial well-being. So again, I'm so grateful grateful for that. I hope you latched on to it. I hope you took some notes. And the beauty of these uh, uh, broadcasts now is you can just rewind it to the spot that, oh, hey, wait a minute. And that's what I do when I listen. I I, I, I will pause and take, like, as I re-listen to it, I'll pause and take notes and, and, um, you know, ponder about it, look up the scriptures, and I love doing that, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, well, hey, I'm so grateful that you chose to tune in today. Hey, if you enjoyed this sermon, if you enjoyed the whole um, message or the whole service today, uh, why don't you just share it with some friends? Let them know uh, about uh, what's going on here at Victory Life Church and and uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, you can do the work of an evangelist by a click of a button. <laughs> Who would have thought? Well, hey, 
Can I just, can I just close in a prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person watching and listening. And God, I thank you that you are, well, you're concerned about every aspect of our lives and our financial position is no different. God, I thank you that you've uh, downloaded some great nuggets into our life that will help us um, and that will give us the tools that we need to follow your plan for our lives through tough times. So God, I, I give you praise and thanks. Every person that is listening that uh, needs a job, Father, I I pray, God, for uh, opportunities to come their way, God, that would uh, provide a job for them that is exactly uh, what they need. God, I thank you for breakthroughs, for jobs, for people. Every unemployed person, God, I thank you that they have a desire in their heart to work and to be productive and that you uh, see that desire and provide a way for them uh, out of uh, the place of unemployment where they find themselves in. Father, all of those that have money to invest and don't know, quite know where to invest, I thank you, God, that you're leading them and directing them uh, toward the right place of investment, that they're wise uh, with their money. Uh, they'll only invest it into wise places. They'll gather around themselves uh, counselors, uh, advisors to help them before they make the investment. And it won't just be people who will always say yes, but it will be people who will challenge their thoughts, even challenge their decisions. Father, I thank you for wisdom that comes upon your people when it comes to uh, their money. And I declare this and decree this over every person, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Uh, have a great rest of the day. Thanks for tuning in again. Until next time, Pastor Scott Deberson, lead pastor here at Victory Life Church, signing off. <laughs>